Welcome to What Do You Believe? You're here because you're curious. I love asking people this question, what do you believe? We all believe in something. And perhaps you're asking yourself this question and you're here because you are curious, like me. On September 1st, 2019, Hurricane Dorian made landfall in the Abaco Islands. Raquel Riley lives in Marsh Harbor, which is an island located in the Bahamas in the Abacos. She, like many people, are heroes, survivors of this epic Category 5 hurricane. That day and many days that followed were a living hell. Many people perished and watched their own loved ones wash out to sea. This story is unlike any other. The devastation that the Bahamians have seen is just unprecedented. This is a story about perseverance and resiliency and knowing that you can get through it. You have to. You, when you have no choice and the chips are down, it's all about personal strength. I am honored to have Raquel Riley on the podcast. Unfortunately, the people of the Abacos are still forgotten. Now there's a pandemic raging and they have still not recovered from this enormous storm. I still believe, I believed before, and I still believe that um, there's a higher power that, you know, we must obey, that we must always try to find, you know, positive and just good energy and keep it flowing. Like, I, I do believe that we are destined to find greatness as long as we tap into that higher power. I believe the, what you throw out comes back to you. Yes. I yes. believe that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So you, you were living on Marsh Harbor at the time of the hurricane. And I remember that, and this is Hurricane Dorian that happened in 2019, when you got the information that this would be a hurricane, did you, did you know that it was going to be, tell, talk, tell us about that progression from the time where you got the information, when you're realizing, okay, this is a hurricane, you've, lived, you've, you've right. grown up in the right. Bahamas. So, so you're used yeah. to this type of weather in terms of there's a hurricane, there's hurricane seasons, it's, it's happening often, right. but this was a very, this was like we were just saying before I started recording, this is like a category six hurricane yeah. coming through these tiny islands yeah. that in you know the middle of nowhere. Right. So it kind of, it definitely progressed really fast. You know, September 1st, I remember September, August 31st, uh, just sitting and watching the news. Of course, we were preparing for it for a week out, two weeks out, you know, because we went through storms after storm, like you said. So we were preparing, we got our groceries, we got our, the house was battened down, you know, hurricane shutters and all that stuff. So I would say from September 1st, around 12 o'clock, we were like, we were still watching the news. It was still recorded as a category four. So we knew we were in for something. We, no, it was at a three, sorry, around 12 o'clock, September 1st. So we knew we were in for it. And my mind was calculating, okay, there's gonna be some down trees, maybe some, you know, shingles off of a roof might, might hit my car or something, or maybe, you know, 
someone's gonna lose the siding of the sidings for their house or a bunch of trees down. So from that time to when we lost power around 1.30, it was kind of consistent to the last information we got. That you've got a three on your hand, it's gonna probably turn into a four, and then that, that might be it. But very quickly, um, I would say around maybe three o'clock, we learned that that three had definitely turned into a four and possibly could get even stronger. And how we figured that out was that I, I, I remember trying to reach my mother who we were, I wanted to make sure she was secured. And she told me around 3.34 o'clock, she said, Raquel, this is huge. And I remember the sound of her voice was like really shaky. And she said that they are saying now five and beyond. And that was the last time I heard from her. And she was saying that how, you know, my sisters were asking her to go to the shelter and she didn't want to go. So that was on my mind for about 48 hours. And your mom is where? Um, she's in Grand Bahama. Okay. So the time went very quickly where we knew what we were getting or we knew what we thought we were getting, which was a category three, four. Yeah. And then fast forward about four to five hours later, we knew we were in catastrophic situations. It was unreal, you know, how fast things deteriorated. It went from just it raining outside to literally around four or five o'clock watching roofs just being ripped off of just completely ripped off of a house right next door right across the street yeah so it happened really fast and it didn't stop now it stayed for, for 24 hours it, i think it stayed for more than that well, we got we got the front end of it um i would say really early Mm -hmm. And then we got the eye, the eye wall, like maybe around uh, five o'clock. And it was absolutely beautiful outside when we were getting the eye wall. A lot of people thought it was over, but, oh. or kind of in between, is it over? What is this? Because the, the front end of it lasted so long mm -hmm. that it was like, okay, is it over? Did we just catch the part of it that's continuous or now at this we, right now at this point you you don't have you don't have you don't have power at that time cell service had went down so we couldn't get out to anybody nobody could get into us so all we had was each other and whoever was nearby whatever neighbors were nearby and um, when we went outside to assess the damage from the front end of the storm the whole neighborhood was unrecognizable the whole neighborhood at that time, we hadn't gotten a lot of flooding. I think inside my apartment, we had gotten as much as like a foot and a half during the first half of the storm. And um, it was just horrible. It went, it was so bad, so fast. We had two uh, girls that were staying upstairs from in, in the same building complex that their roof completely ripped off. They couldn't get out of the house because the front door had swollen because it was hit so hard with rainwater. So they literally had to kick the window out to get out of the apartment and come down to where we were. And when they got in, just the look on their faces was like, we just, we can't even describe what we just saw. They were in total shock when they came in and I just remember them saying, what is that out there? That is just unreal. 
So now it's happening. They, they come down to your, to your place and you're still in the storm. We're still in the storm. They came to us literally in the, the thickest part of the storm. And when the door, when we opened the back door to have them come in, because they, they said they were pounding on the front door, but we heard nothing. Because right. at this time, the storm was hitting the, that angle of the house that it was in the front area that we, we couldn't hear. We couldn't hear anything. And I heard someone knocking on the back door. So we opened the door, let them in. And it was, it took, I don't know, it took three of us pulling each other to close the back door. And my boyfriend had his hand on the back door pulling and he's a strong guy. So he couldn't get it. He, his foot was slipping. So I had to hold him and the neighbor held me and we just pulled and pulled until we got the door closed. And um that was just unreal um so from this point on you are what are you thinking at this point all i'm thinking is i need to call my mom i need to tell her how bad this is because the storm was projected to leave us and head straight to grand bahama where she was and it was going to hit the center of the city, just like it was hitting the center of Abaco, it was going to hit the center of Grand Bahama and and strengthened. Right. So, um, so my 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 number one concern was my family in Grand Bahama. I yeah. need to tell them that this is no joke. You know. So then you were not able to do that. I was not able to do that, and that was the worst feeling ever. Oh. That was the worst feeling because the last time we spoke was her telling me the storm is intensifying and I'm not going to the shelter. I'm staying with my cat and I'm staying in my house and I'm not leaving my house and my cat. I said, mom, take your cat. She says, no, she's not going anywhere. Yeah. So that was the last conversation we had. Her telling me she's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking through the whole time I can't communicate with her. Like, that was the worst feeling ever, trying to figure out, did she go to the shelter or not? Is she okay? Right. You know, of course, I have a lot of siblings that they they can take care of themselves, but my mom's 74 years old, so, and she's stubborn. So my mind was like, my mind was on her a lot. Sure, of course, of course. Mm -hmm. So at this point, now you're, you're past the eye of the storm. You're into the thick of the second part of the mm-hmm. storm. Were you able to stay at home during um, that point? Well, not really. In a sense, yes. In a sense, no. What happened was after the eye of the storm passed us, it was clear. The eye of the storm lasted about maybe 25 to 30 minutes. And... Um, it was, it was evident that it was the second half because you could literally look up into the sky and look, look uh, south and you could see another, you could see the actual wall of the storm. It was just, it was horrifying. You could see the next half of it coming and it wasn't as bad as far as the winds, but it was bad as far as it brought the sea surge with it the 20 foot seizures 15 feet sea surge i think they said it was um that literally covered basically every building 
downtown Marsh Harbor and probably everywhere that it hit. But that part of the storm was just as bad in, in a different way because it brought the sea, literally washed over the island. And um, that part lasted longer. That was the biggest half of the storm. So, and that part of the storm came when the sun went down. Oh my God. So we were in the dark and um, around six o'clock, we made a very smart decision to leave the house because the roof above us had been compromised. It was gone, basically. The girl, you know, the girls that were staying upstairs were downstairs with us and we saw that the roof was gone during the eye. So during the second half, the wind and the water that was settling in started to come down on us. Well, of course, it was like it was raining inside for us, constant rain, just dropping from everywhere. So the furniture that was up there started to give way and fall through our roof. And um, it was just like, okay, guys, we cannot stay here because literally sheetrock by sheetrock was just falling. And as it fell, you could see the furniture from upstairs kind of coming through too. So we decided we got to get out of here. So the only, the next best thing to do would be to get in the cars because, and, and we couldn't go anywhere to any shelter because the, by then the both ends of the road, we couldn't leave the neighborhood. When we discovered this during the, we discovered this during the eye wall because we got in the cars, tried to go east on our street, couldn't go any further once we got to the end because there was the sea coming towards us. Yeah. So we decided to turn around and go the other way. Same thing. We couldn't get off of our block. And then there was tons of light poles down that it was like impossible to get around. So went back to the house and decided, hey, we're gonna have to park our car strategically to block us in. We're gonna pick the safest car to ride out the storm and we're gonna block ourselves in with the other cars. The neighbors from upstairs, they had two vehicles. So they had a rental car and then the other one had our car. So we took one car, put it on the exterior. My landlord who lives right next door to me was away. Her vehicle was there, so we used her car to shield us. And then we, we parked another car in front and we just sat kind of like in a little nest in the center of four parked cars, three parked cars, and just literally sat the night through there. And wow, I don't think I got a wink of sleep. And now there are how many of you in one car? Um, it was four of us in one car. And then my neighbors who parked like right next to us, there was two of them in that car. And we just told each other like, every now and again, we'll do like a little horn blow check to make sure we're okay. Right. So we would start blowing and then when they start blowing, we know they're okay. So we just try to figure out, okay, what to do with our time instead of thinking about what could be on the other side of the storm. So now this is so you're you're in the middle of of floods all around you. Is yeah. that is that what it looked like? Uh -huh. Just being basically in the middle of a sea of the sea. Yeah. The sea had literally risen up and come into land. And 
Um, there was only so far we could go. There's only so far we could go. Um, my boyfriend decided he couldn't take it anymore the next day. He decided he was gonna go and either swim or find someone's boat and go and check his family out in um, uh, Murphy Town wow. because he couldn't get in touch with his sisters that live on uh, the other end of Marsh Harbor. So, and we really didn't want him to leave, but we understood that he had to go because at that point in time, it, there was no doubt in our mind that there was some type of carnage that was left behind. There was no doubt, no doubt. You know, even though we were in a relatively okay area, mm. because the area that I live, um, it's called Central Pines and it's kind of up, it's higher up than a lot of the main parts of the island, like Dundas Town, Murphy Town, even Marsh Harbor. Central Pines is kind of high up. It's, it's one of those settlements that's built up. So we knew that we weren't, we knew that everybody else on the island weren't as lucky as us, even though we went through right. incredible, incredible stress and hell. And, yeah. you know, trying to explain to my four-year-old at the time that we're going to be okay. And he's not understanding uh, because the, we were just soaking wet. Yeah. You know, and I, I recall us being soaked and wet for literally about over 40 something hours. You know, we couldn't get out the clothes we were in. All of the clothes that we had in the house was completely under rubbles or wet. So I could just remember the, the next morning after the back end of the storm had passed, I could remember going into the house and just literally like it was you devastation. Could, like, yeah, we couldn't salvage anything. We tried to salvage as much as we could, but so now this part is twenty-four hours into the storm at yeah. this point. So your boyfriend goes to Murphy Town. You and your son and the other girls that were in the same building are together. Yeah. So now at this point, what what happens? Um, the wind never dies down. The rain never stops. And that's why we were just wet. Wet, right. Because it, it, the rain just never stops. And this and went on for days? This went on for, this went on for about, um, but uh, after, the, after the eye of the storm mm. passed us, the back end of the storm felt like it lasted for 24 hours. It went into the night and into the next day. So it didn't die down until maybe around i want to say two or three o'clock on the second of september so right. yeah and it was just now at this point is it heading to grand bahama it's heading to grand bahama and you still haven't spoken still to haven't me. spoken to my mother and um i just i don't know I, I i couldn't stop thinking about it i tried my best to but um, I just couldn't, you know, um, stop thinking about it. And the girls went in their direction. I don't know where they went. They decided to hop in their car and go somewhere. You mean the car worked at that point? Yeah, the car that they were in, she had like a Honda Civic 
Her hunt, it worked, but the cars that were surrounding us were total mess, total incomplete mess. Um, my landlord's vehicle that was right next, that was on the outside of us, was just smashed because a 40-foot trailer had rolled up and smashed against it. So thank God it was there, even though she lost her car. You know, we, we got saved from a 40-foot trailer running into the house. So... But yeah, my, I have a little uh, Japanese car that worked and the neighbor's car worked. So I guess after the storm, people were working on the roads, just trying to clear out the, the, um, the poles and all that stuff that was down. And I don't know where they escaped to, but they went somewhere. I don't know where, but my son, my son, myself, my uh, boyfriend's older son, it was three of us. So he told us to, actually his cousin came looking for him. Mm. So we told him we can't go back in our house. So he said his house is partially okay if we wanted to come with him to his house. It was around the corner. They had a truck, we went with them. And um, yeah, we kind of just sat and tried to figure out what's next, what's going on, you know, what do we do it was just a, it was just such a sense of hopelessness and uncertainty and like you just didn't we just didn't know what to do what to think and we didn't and i had never seen a storm like this ever 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 and you've been through hurricanes yeah. in your lifetime oh yeah right. i've been through a lot yeah andrew was my first like real, oh my God, I need to leave the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we had Matthew a few years ago in Grand Bahama that really messed up the place. We had Francis and Jean that literally destroyed Grand Bahama mm. in 2003 and 2004. They both hit back to back. Wow. And that, it's been well over, it's been well over a decade is going on now into 20 years since Francis and Jean. And if you ask anybody what happened in Grand Bahama, they would say Francis and Jean, you know, wow. just rock the place. And because of that, we lost a lot of investors. We lost, you know, people that just wasn't too sure about, you know. Right. Investing so, in the Bahamas, yeah. yeah. So now when were you able to get in contact with your mom? I got in contact with her the night of this, 2nd of September, like around 7, when my boyfriend had come back from searching for his sister. He came back with great news. They're good. They're okay. Everyone made it. You wouldn't believe the story they have. And of oh. course, that's the story for everyone in Abaco at that point. You wouldn't believe the story we had. Um, and um, when he came back, his... Uh, his cousin said something to the effect that people are loading up at the at the um, government complex because there's power there and um, there's you know, also phone cell service. So I can remember us going there and just the minute we started to get closer to the government complex, I remember my phone just dinging off, just ding, 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 and. I just sat there and cried and read those messages and 
I once, you know, I, I realized that I could make a call. I called my mom and she said she in fact did go to mm. the shelter and she said it, it was the worst experience of her life. She said she's seen so many storms, but this one was just not anything she'd ever thought would come to pass in all of her life. She said she'd never, ever seen anything like it. I think the water rose to about shoulder high at the house. So yeah, we had to literally rip everything out of there, just gut, gut it out. Um, yeah, that that's a lot of the stories of what happened around Marsh Harbor. Some people's homes were completely submerged. I remember when going as far as we could go right after the storm in, in Central Pines, I remember getting to a house that was literally still covered. It was kind of built in a valley. Mm. The entire house was still covered with water. Um, so in here, now here, here's here you are 48 hours after 72 hours right after yeah. the fact now you have to deal with not having not having anything yeah i mean and now what do you do the whole thought was just connecting with as much people as possible and finding out what is next right but i think everybody's mind was set on getting out of abaco everybody wanted to leave right i'm um, sorry there wasn't there was nothing there, right. nothing. Nothing. Not nothing. even. Not even a. How would you even fly out of there? Because there isn't even an airstrip. At I that remember point. there was uh, choppers trying to land, and ch some that did, some that didn't have clearance um, to land. There, there was, there was an enormous outpouring from what we understand from the United States, mm -hmm. from you know Europe, from from everywhere. People were just pouring into the Bahamas, pouring out into, into the Abacos. To help. To help. Um, there was a lot of food that was dropped off at the clinic and um, anybody, that, anybody that needed medical assistance, they were taken to Nassau or wherever else they could go. Mm. But it was just a state, it was, it was a constant state of emergency that everybody felt. I remember going to like passing through Marsh Harbor and just seeing a lot of people, a lot of Bahamians and a lot of people of, you know, that, that came from the mud and the, you know, other Haitian communities around just basically just like a for, free for all with grabbing up water. You know, of course they're not going to wait. They, they made their way into you know, a warehouse and just started taking anything they could find. Mm. Meats to cook, um, water, juices, paper towels, you know, and, and the, they weren't stopped because everybody knew that at some point people were going to get hungry and people were going to be in need. Yeah. And nobody could understand why um, a lot of the help that was trying to get in was being halted you know yeah so talk to, tell us about that what what was going on there with your government with the bahamian government and um what was where where were they we had our minister that represents north abaco on the ground um he was he was pretty hands-on with getting um 
word out to people as to okay. what to do and but that effort wasn't really received because people were without communication right you know so they had their command center on how to get us back to or get us to some type of organization so people don't lose it but um as far as our government's outreach to us it's still kind of questionable we still don't know what happened and why but the overall feeling is not a good one from the Bahamian people especially mm. the people in Abaco the overall feeling is is not a good one at all um because you know people are hurting people are missing their family people just lost every single thing that they had people just I mean and lost people right next to them you know yeah. There's people that went into their ceilings that thought that was a safe place and the water just kept rising and they couldn't get out and drown, you know? Um, so we just couldn't understand why we were being charged to leave the island. When we heard, we, we got to the airport and then agents are telling us, hey, you've got to pay 75 bucks to get on this Bahamas air flight and go to the capital. So that was extremely, and that's something I personally saw with my own eyes. Yeah. They were telling us, go online and book a flight. And we're like, how wow. in the world am I going to book a flight when I just lost everything? Like, I don't even have a charger to charge my phone. I don't have my wallet. I don't like, how, how could you ask people to do that? So I'm still completely lost as to why that took place. I don't know what the explanation is for that, but Abaconians that, you know, everyone that I've talked to that I know have a sincere, profound um, bewilderness about the government's response. Yeah. And they still do today. They mm -hmm. still do today. You know, over a year later, there's still um, questionable, questionable actions that we just don't get you know um and it's not it's, it's it's not helping the people you know it's, it's just it's just not questions aren't being answered so you haven't received any relief from the bahamian government or there has been some relief um, or... there's been some relief um me personally i haven't received anything i've been I've been signing up everywhere. I signed up. I heard people were getting money from the Red Cross. I signed up for that. I, the only thing that we were getting was uh, from organizations that came right. from outside the Bahamas and set up here to just help. Right. So those were the people that were on the ground that, that got clearance to get here to be on the ground and just help. Who were those people? Who were those organizations? <laughs> um... You have water missions, mm -hmm. you have, um, you definitely have, uh, let's see. So it was mission, these yeah, were missions. Yeah, these, these were, were mission yeah. Um, yeah. organizations. They, they were um, organizations that normally would, would reach out. I don't remember all of the names right now. But the Red but Cross even? The Red Cross did, did okay. a lot. The Red Cross was, was helping out people. Obviously they missed some people and they, caught others but they did they had a big effort the rotary club was was putting on roofs and stuff for people mm -hmm. um i can't remember the, the organization but I'll, I'll try to remember um 
but they they were here. I, I feel like we we got more from outside than we got from oh, you got within. from your own government. Yeah. yeah. So now here you are a year later, and what's the recovery like? What's it been like? The recovery is very slow to not at all. Um, I, I, from our government, and I, I, I mean, there could have been support and could have been the efforts that was made, but we're not seeing it. We don't see it here in Abaco. I feel like Abaco has definitely been forgotten by the government. Um, and, you know, I don't see it. You know, there's, there's a guy that, um, that's in our local community. His name is Kai Mills. He goes around and he tells the truth. Mm. He doesn't tell it the way people want to hear it. Yeah. But he goes around and he tells the truth. You know, just a few weeks ago, he went into, he went into the um, service fair where we receive items from the U.S. or for everywhere. And, you know, he just discovered pallets and pallets and pallets of wood that's just been sitting there that's been donated you know, millions of dollars millions of dollars of wood and sheetrock and just sitting in the storm sitting in the outdoors and the you know getting rained on every day and people are still without materials to fix their house mm-hmm. and he just really exposed the government in a big way like he's been doing it week after week and um we don't know who's benefiting from the wood it looks like nobody because it's just sitting there getting rained on everything. So we're still, we're in a way worse position than we were as far as our trust in our government than before the storm. It was already on a decline, but right now it seems like, especially in Abaco, seems like Abaco is kind of out in the cold completely. Mm. And I'm from Grand Bahama. I'm a Bahamian first, but I'm from Grand Bahama. When I compare the relief effort to of Grand Bahama to Abaco, there's no comparison. Really? There's none. Wow. You know, there's none. Um, they brought these domes here to Abaco and placed them on people's foundations, and it makes no sense. How could you give someone something that they didn't even ask for and then you're, you're placing it on the foundation. So when are they supposed to build their house back? When are they going to use their foundation to actually start building? Mm. So instead of them going and finding out what will be the best thing for this community or for this person in this community, they kind of just made the decision and bring in a few domes and throw them around and, you know, it's just a total mess. It's a total mess here in Abaco. And they're not listening to the community and they're not, they're not, they're just not responding in the right ways to bring about change and help. There's been a huge cleanup effort, but as far as getting people back in their homes, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. Where are people living or most of most people <clears throat> left for other islands and they're not coming back? There's a lot of people that were here on this island that are still in Nassau mm-hmm. because their homes, they can't get their homes fixed. You know, you have people that paid their insurance on time and paid everything up and the insurance company is telling them, hey, well, you didn't see this clause in your contract or in your paperwork. No. 
but we're only going to pay for this percentage as opposed to what you thought you had. So there's a lot of people whose hands are tied. They can't get the monies to fix their house. I just talked to someone in my department and he literally said that his insurance company pulled out paperwork that said his, his insurance had lapsed and he can't get any type of coverage for his house. And, it, and he said it was a good thing his wife kept the paperwork um, and put it into their emergency bag, the paperwork where she paid the last payment. Mm. And it said, you have a grace period of such and such time and the time. And it was in fact, their insurance had not elapsed. Mm. And without that physical proof, proof yeah. the insurance company was gonna get away with not giving them anything for a total loss. So, yeah. This is, this is so unjust and it's unbelievable. After everything the Bahamian people have been through to, to then have to deal with that, it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Where, where are you now in your, in your belief system? I mean, after going through all of this and this experience, What's your, what's your outlook on life like now? Wow, my outlook is to just appreciate the little things, to just be, just find happiness in the little things. I literally um, thought about not coming back to work because I wanted to be, you know, with my son. I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be, I wanted to go see my mom and enjoy time with her. I wanted to, I wanted to just be with my family that I hadn't seen in so long because I gave it, kind of pushed it to the side to be on another island for work. So I was very close to not, you know, getting back in into the work environment again. Mm. But of course, after COVID, that changed everything. Yeah. You know, things got really desperate. And I feel like that COVID played a, a big role in people forgetting about what happened to Abaco. You yes. know, this, I can't even, like the thoughts and the sights that are going through my mind, I can't even begin to explain to you how impactful that entire storm was like it just it it just made you wanna kiss everybody that you love and just tell them hey i'm here i love you um the words it's good to see you mm. just meant so 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 much more i could remember walking through marsh after the storm and seeing like guys from the gulf operations that i worked with and just looking them in the eyes straight on and saying, it's so good to see you. Yeah. And it just, it just, it pierced my soul just to hear someone say it back to me. Cause I, I, I knew you meant it. I didn't have to think mm. if you meant that. I knew you meant it's so good to see you. Those words just mean so much now. Mm. And it, it, it just, you know, I, I, we were forever changed. Yeah. We were forever changed. 
you know, I've heard stories of people losing an arm, trying to hold on to their wife. I've heard, you know, people getting pulled out to sea, like having to swim back to land while debris is flying over their heads. Um, and a golf operations guy that worked in my department, his mother literally opened the back door and the sea came in and pulled her out. That was the last time they saw her, oh. you know? Oh. So the devastation is on, on a thousand, like the, it's on, it's, it's unrecordable, the devastation that we've seen. Um, it just brings things into perspective. It makes you feel like if you're not happy, whatever you're doing, just stop it. Because life is just too precious and it's too short and we're not, we're not sure how long we're gonna be here. And um, even with all of that, it still doesn't change the way I feel about, you know, just still doesn't change the way I feel about God, I would say. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't change. It's still, I'm still asking the universe, you know, the almighty, why? And I know that you're gonna tell me why soon and I'm not gonna question you. I'm just gonna continue to press on. And the, the why might come out years later, but you know, it, it was something that has to happen. I, I don't believe that things happen and they're like, you know, it happened. Um, you don't believe it's for nothing. I don't think it's for nothing. Right. I feel like if you move this piece from here, it's gonna end up somewhere else. Or it's gonna, it's gonna. There's nothing that's not. We're we're, we're in a we're in a world that's gonna balance itself out. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. it's gonna correct itself. Right. And and that could have been a correction to something that maybe happened years ago, or mm. that could have been a correction of climate change or you know people doing stuff that they're not supposed to do or factories or you know there's a lot of undercover things that goes on in our world that we don't have a clue of and um who knows you know i i just know that it just didn't happen just out of the blue it happened for a reason you know everything in life happens for a reason everything there's nothing that you can say, hey, well, that shouldn't have been that way. Or, you know, you just got to accept it and keep moving yeah. and learn lessons that you need to learn and, and live by them, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. Well, you are, you are the epitome of resiliency and human spirit after what you've been through. And the great news out of this is you just got a wonderful position as the president of the golf association the bahamas professional golfers association yes and that is incredible yeah. so you um throughout all of this mm -hmm. you have been able to excel and 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 come up and and affect people and do incredible things i know you personally and as as someone who is a wonderful, warm human being. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that 
you chatted with me today and talked to me and, and shared your story. And um, I'm, I'm just so glad to see you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to see you too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of What Do You Believe? Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We very much appreciate your continued support. Thank you.